We're continuing our journey through John this morning, obviously, and we're looking at chapter 12. And in preparing for this chapter, uh, the, a person came to my heart, and uh, that person was Billy Graham. Uh, most of us here remember who Billy Graham is. Some of us may not if you're young, but uh, Billy Graham is considered one of the greatest evangelists of, of our generation, if not ever in the church. I still have a, a, a ring some here, Pastor Tom, somewhere along the way. Help me out with that. Uh, okay, now here's the thing about Billy Graham. God used him to minister the gospel all over the world. Millions have come to Christ through his ministry. In addition to that, a lot of people uh, don't remember, but he served as a personal counselor to many of our presidents. Uh, many of our presidents uh, as admired him and esteemed his counsel and used him in their inner circle. Uh, so he was able to influence a lot of our presidents through his godly counsel. And here's something, again, that you may not know. Every year, there's a survey that's done uh, in America, where people get to vote on the most admired person in the world. In other words, who do you admire most in this world? And Billy Graham has made the top 10 of the most admired people in the world 61 years. No other person in the history of that survey has even come close to him. But 61 times people voted him in the top 10 of the most admired person in the world. And several times of that, he was in the top two or three in that category. Now, I believe that part of the reason for uh, that and for the success, if I could use the word success, that he had with presidents and, and dignitaries is can be attributed to his character. So that we're all on the same page today because we're going to be talking about character. Listen, character by definition is the pattern of behavior or the personality found in a person. That's what character is all about. It's a pattern that of your behavior uh, that's obviously dictated even by your personality. Listen to what Billy Graham said. Later on in his uh, life, he said this, the greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money or other material things accumulated in one's life, but rather a legacy of character and faith. Amen. In other words, what he was saying is character matters. Character matters. And so... In this chapter we're going to look at, in chapter 12, there's a godly character that is, uh, I believe, emanates from this chapter that I want to look at. There, there are three attributes of a godly character or a pattern of behavior that every Christian should not only model or at the very least should aspire to model. So let's turn to John chapter 12. I'm going to read, I'll start with the first eight verses, and then we'll move around, and I'll kind of indicate you where we're going next. 
Verse 1, six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume. Everybody say expensive. That was the perfume Charlie. You remember that perfume, Charlie? (laughs) If you do, you just really dated yourself. Then let's go back. Verse 3. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping her feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Now, not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Now, look at verse 12. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. Now, verse 20. So now we get to Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, sir, We want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. Jesus replied, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Then a voice spoke from heaven saying, I have already brought glory to my name and I will do so again. All right, so that's our text uh, that we're looking at. Three different uh, portions of scripture from the, uh, the 12th chapter that identify three attributes of a godly character that we should all model or at the very least, aspire to model. So let's begin with the first attribute. It deals with a costly, sacrificial giving. That's the first attribute 
of a godly character is a, a costly sacrificial giving. We, in Mary's situation here, we, we are finding out that Mary sacrificed an expensive perfume uh, to anoint the feet of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you'll notice that Judas identified the value of this uh, sacrifice, that the perfume that she had was worth a year's wages. Now, that's an, an astronomical number for most of us. Think about what kind of bottle. It was 12 ounces, so it was so, about so big. 12-ounce perfume that is worth a year's wages. Let's translate that to modern day. Today, at the very least, let's say... Uh, Minimum wage, more or less. Let's say you make $25,000 a year. Think about the fact that, let's assume that this bottle was worth $25,000. And Mary decides to sacrifice that and pours it on the feet of Jesus. The, the level, the depth of her sacrifice she held nothing back in wanting to bless the Lord. Now, I was thinking about this attribute, this part of our character that we should all model or at the very least aspire to model where we're talking about sacrifice and, and sacrifice comes in many forms and many shapes, right? But the important thing I want you to see here is that there are levels to our sacrifices. For instance, let's talk about the sacrifice of our time. In serving the Lord Jesus Christ, we all have 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Nobody has more, nobody has less. Everybody has the same. But there are times where God wants us to serve and we have to make decisions on whether we want to sacrifice our time to serve. Now, one of the difficulties that we find in Christianity, and sad to say, but this is true, is that every year in football season, we have people who are unwilling to make sacrifice of coming to church, as if church is a sacrifice. But it's, listen, it is a sacrifice of our time, right? I'm going to go to church because I want to worship God. I'm going to give up that time to worship God. But there are people that because the bears are on, and I don't know why we would sacrifice the, uh, Jesus for bears, but hey, we all chuckle, but one person... To, to another person, that's expensive time because they are an avid Bears football fan. And so when the time comes and it's church, well, the Bears have an early game today, church. And all of a sudden, the decision must be made, will I sacrifice watching the Bears to come worship God? And oftentimes, some people say, no. Why? Because that time is too precious to them to give up. You see where I'm going with this? And we all have. Uh, this Saturday, we have this, this trunk or treat, and there are people who have volunteered their time. 
to come and, and serve the children and, and be a part of that, uh, to give up their Saturdays right in the middle of the day, to give up their Saturday. Now listen, again, people who work, you, you got Saturdays, the only day you got off besides Sunday, because hopefully you don't look at Sunday as a day that you got to work, but uh, Saturday is a big day for many people who have to do shopping or who just want to relax, and, but they made the decision to sacrifice that time even though it was precious to them because they want to serve the Lord. Energy is like that, right? Our, our energy. I don't have the time. I'm so busy doing things and doing that, that that I get tired from my job. I get tired from, from go, going to the gym because I got to go to the gym. And how many would agree? I got to go to the gym. I, I, I gotta, I've been putting on too much weight over here. You got to pray for your pastor. Uh, but we look at how we expend our energy. And then we realize, well, I don't have the energy to serve God. And what we're really saying is, I don't want to give the energy to serve God because these other things that I'm doing are more precious to me or to use our word, are more costly to me. And of course, we can't neglect money or possessions so many of God's children struggle honoring God with tithing because they have other plans for that money. And it's too costly to honor God with 10% of their income, even though this book tells us that that's what God is asking of us. That's what God is commanding of us. And when we fail to do that, what we're simply saying is that money is too costly to give to God. That's what we're saying, you see. In full transparency, I think you'll agree with me that sometimes our giving really isn't sacrificial. Very often, God gets leftovers. Leftover time. Leftover energy. And yes, leftover monies. If there's money left over after we pay the bills and do what we want to do, then we'll give something in the offering, you see. Sometimes we tend to give all, all to the Lord our leftovers. And leftovers are not really costly, you see. Costly, sacrificial giving. I need to I'll make sure you understand something here. That costly, sacrificial giving isn't measured by how much you give. It's measured by the percentage of what you give. Let me give you an illustration from Mark's gospel in chapter 12. Look at verse 42 with me. In fact, uh, I'm, I know they don't have it up there. I'm, I, I forgot to give it to you, but I'll do verse 41, and I, I'll read that. Then you can read, uh, follow along in verse 42. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowd dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Now verse 42. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. Why? For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she ha is, has given everything. Come on, say everything with me everything she had to live on. 
So think about that. See, costly sacrificial giving, uh, let's, let's look at finances. It's not based upon how much you give. Because someone could say, hey, you know, they, they, that person gave $1,000 and man, they really blessed the Lord and gave a lot to the Lord. And you might say, well, yeah, $1,000 is a lot of money, but if they are a billionaire, then is $1,000 really a lot of money to them? See, Jesus saw this. He saw, he saw and, and I find it interesting that Jesus was interested in what people gave. I find it interesting that Jesus knew what people have and what they don't have. Think about that for a moment. The Lord knows everything about us. He knows what we have and he knows what we don't have. He knows what the measure of our giving is, whether it's costly or whether it's not costly. And this, uh, there were people that gave and Jesus recognized, okay, they gave good amounts, but see, their giving wasn't really sacrificial because they only gave a small portion of what they really have. But this widow, now she really caught Jesus' attention because Jesus knew she only gave two small copper coins. That's equivalent to two pennies. And, but it caught his heart and his eye because he knew she gave everything that she had to live on. She trusted God. She honored God. And her giving was very costly. See, whether it's giving of monies, your time, or your energy, the whole issue about this attribute of a godly character that we should all model or aspire to is this. We want to bless God with everything that we do. We want to bless God with our time, we want God to be blessed with our energy and with our resources. We want to bless and honor the name that's above every other name. Would you say amen to that? So that's the first attribute of a godly character is, is that costly sacrificial giving. Here's the second attribute. Uh, and this was in a little bit more uh, uh, abstract for all of us, but it's from uh, the... Uh, the entry of Jesus coming in and the people worshiping him or praising him. This second attribute is humility in service. That's the second attribute, humility in service. I find it fascinating that Jesus did not choose a stallion to come in, right? In those days, kings were always ride on a, a great stallion, uh, a, a stallion that was majestic looking because they wanted to represent who they were. But Jesus coming into Jerusalem as the king of Israel chose a donkey's cult to come in. Great humility. Now, I know that it was also a fulfillment of scripture, but I want you to see something uh, that because when when. Kings used to ride in on these majestic animals, the majestic uh, steed, these stallions. People would also recognize the stallion. And they would look at it and they would say, that's an incredible looking stallion that the king is on. In other words, the stallion will get some of the recognition. But nobody recognized a donkey's colt that day. It wasn't until later that the disciples realized it was a fulfillment of scripture. But in that moment, 
Nobody paid any attention to the donkey's colt. All the praise, all the recognition went to Jesus. See, the donkey's colt is symbolic for the humility and service. We all sacrificially give to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. But when we do that, when we sacrifice our time, when we sacrifice our energy, our talents, when we sacrifice our finances, it should always be done in humility. Now, again, by definition, so we're all on the same page, humility is the absence of pride or self-assertion. In other words, our giving, our serving, it should be with this character of humility that we are not here to get recognized. Oh, that was a good place to say amen. In other words, listen to what the Bible says. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. The book of James, chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. This attribute, humility and service, that what we do for the kingdom of God, what we do for our Lord and Savior, should never rob praise from him. Now, you say, well, well, I don't want anybody praising me. Well, I have discovered that a great test for humility is this. If you do something, if you serve, if you are on the ministry, let's say you're on the worship team and you are here faithfully rehearsing and you, you stand on your X so that Pastor Carlos never has to tell you you're off your spot uh, if you know every uh, note and, and uh, worshiping the Lord, you do everything great. But nobody, Pastor Jason, I don't know why, he never acknowledges that I do a good job. He's got a problem. See, if you gave an extraordinary gift, and nobody ever recognized your financial gift. The pastor didn't even thank you. I don't know what Pastor Carlos's problem. What's so wrong with just saying thank you for this great gift? See, if you have a problem that people don't recognize something that you've done, then you didn't do it for the glory of God. You did it to be recognized. And when you are, your motive is to be recognized, now you're not serving in humility. See, the great test for humility is how do you respond or act when no one recognizes your sacrifice? When no one says anything about your service to Christ or the body of Christ, when no one has a peep to say in recognition to all that you have done. Humility in service cares for one thing and one thing alone is Jesus Christ praised by what I did is God honored and glorified do people wind up 
lifting him up because I became that donkey's cult. In other words, I brought in the presence of God by what I did. And people worshiped him rather than worship me. Amen. See, the one thing uh, a pastor will always remember and should always remember, pastors get way too much glory and get way too much recognition. We are just simple servants, just like everybody else. I am no better than anybody that's on this platform. I'm no better than anybody who sits before me. I'm no better than anybody who watches on the internet. And my wife will attest to that. See, she's saying amen a little bit too loud, but that's okay. <laughs> but because I'm the visible one, people think that there's something special about me. When all I am is a messenger, God tells me what to say, I say it. So God should always get the glory. Now, I get that people want to encourage the pastor for times and say, hey, pastor, that message really blessed me. I get that, you know. Uh, but there are, there are people who would only serve. I had, uh, oh, this is a good story. This is a true story. A while back, we had a sister that felt uh, the, she had the gift to dance in the spirit. And so about eight years ago, Something like that, my wife is saying. Anyway, anyway, whatever the time for. Anyway, so during the service, though, she would do all of that here in the front. And as I would worship, I sense in my spirit, this is for recognition. So I tested her. And I said, sister, I think you're being a little bit too demonstrative and distracted to the people. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to worship God and dance right there in the back. Do whatever God feels is leading you by the Spirit to do back there. And she looked at me, but then nobody will see me. I said, exactly. Nobody here will see you, but God will see you. And if you're doing it for God, it should not matter whether you're in the front or the back. And shortly thereafter, she left the church. See, the test of, rec uh, of, of humility is how would I respond and I don't get recognition. Now, let me end that portion by saying this. It is right and proper to thank the people that serve, right? I know we don't have nursery right now, but it's right and proper to thank the nursery staff or the people who work in Christian ed and taking care of Encompass City, working with our children, teaching our children. It is right to say, hey, thanks for te teaching my kid today. I really appreciate you, your ministry. Thanks for taking care of my baby. I really appreciate your sacrifice and the time that you put in to serve us. It is right and proper to thank the ushers uh, that are here early before you get here and are, are have to wait until you leave before they go home to say, hey, thank you for your service. really appreciate that in the Lord. That is the right thing to do. Amen? But remember that we're talking about a godly character that we want to model because it's that godly character that truly honors the Lord Jesus Christ. That opens doors as we're going to see. And so in modeling that, we want to make sure that we recognize a part of a godly character is this costly, sacrificial giving of our time, our energy, and our resources. It's the humility in service. Where we're not here 
to be patted on the back or to be recognized. We're not here for allocates. And then lastly, listen. Third attribute is totally surrendered life. The third attribute of a godly character is a totally surrendered life. Because uh, we look at our Lord Jesus Christ and uh, back in our text, and he talked about that from verse 24 to verse 28, that, that it was all about the purpose for which he came, right? And let's look at, let's look at verse 25 through 26. Could we do that, uh, Kirby? Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Here it is. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must. Everybody say must. Come on, one more time. Must. Must follow me. Because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Well, the first question we have to ask, okay, Jesus said we have to follow him. But where was he going? What was he talking about? He was talking about that the hour had come for him to sacrifice his life, to lay down his life in total surrender to the will of the Father. And that's why he went on to say, should, should, should I pray God save me from this hour? And he goes, no, this is the very reason why I came. In other words, Jesus was saying, the very reason why I was born into this world was so that I might surrender my life on the cross of Calvary in total will to the Father. So that's why Jesus said, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies. See, there, we're good in Christianity as falling to the ground. We're good at making the appearance that we're humble. But here's the truth of the matter. None of us, beginning with the speaker, dies easily. But Jesus said, unless I die, I can't bear multiple fruit. Unless the kernel of wheat dies, it can't produce more fruit. And unless Jesus died, he knew, I can't produce more followers if I don't die. And the dynamic spiritual principle that Jesus is talking about is in order for you and I to produce the kind of fruit that God desires in and through our life, we have to die to ourselves. And what that simply means is we have to surrender our life in its totality. It's not about what I want. It's about what God wants for my life. It's not about my dreams. It's about God's purpose for my life. See, because God has a plan for my life. I have a dream, but God has a plan. And so if I want to follow the Lord Jesus, you must be where I am. You must do what I do. Following the Lord there is keeping in step with him, meaning he led a totally surrendered life to the Father. And if we want to be called Christians, then we must lead a totally surrendered life to the Father. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said this in verse 24. 
that Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must, come on, there's our word again, say it with me, must, must, must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. The taking up of the cross is, again, symbolism for speaking. I'm totally surrendering my life to God's purpose for my life. See, I want to have the kind of godly character that brings honor and glory to the name of the Lord. And I do that by recognizing that it's got to, my serving has to be costly. Remember King David? King David had come to a point where he made a mistake and he uh, got a little full of himself and pride and he wanted to number all the, how many soldiers there were. And even though his commander in chief uh, had told him, no, that's not a good idea. Don't do that. He ordered him to do it anyway. And it didn't please God. And as a result of that, God's judgment came on and people started to die. A plague came on. And he was told, you got to go and sacrifice at this location, and that sacrifice will appease the Lord, and the plague will be stopped. Well, the place where he was told to sacrifice was uh, owned by a man named Aruna. Aruna saw the king coming, and, and he said, hey, King, king, you, what are you here for? I'm here to sacrifice and stop the plague. And, and Aruna said, okay, I've got oxen, and i got the wood of the yoke and everything for the, for the wood so you can light the fire. It's all yours, king. Do it. It's free. And King David said, nope. See, I won't sacrifice to God that which costs me nothing. That's why David is a man after God's own heart. He realized, if I really want to honor God, it's got to cost me something. It's got to be something that I know, this is real sacrificial for me to give this, but I'm doing it because I love the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to have that kind of a, of a character. I don't want to serve for recognition. I want to serve in humility. And, and I want to live a totally surrendered life. Listen, when we reject taking up our cross, when we refuse to surrender our life to God's will, God's purpose, we forfeit a godly character. See, you can't have a godly character and live selfishly. They don't match. They don't go together. They're like oil and water. They don't mix. The only way you and I can have a godly character is to recognize I must, as Jesus said, I must lay down my life and take up his purpose. I must put down my aspirations, my dreams to take up his purpose, his plan for my life. Now, people wind up thinking that that's always a bad thing. But let's remember the words of the Lord. Jesus said, see, if I die, I'm going to produce a great harvest. Something great is going to happen, but the price has to be paid. So Jesus, the Bible said, endured the cross because he was looking ahead. If you look at the cross, you'll never go to the cross. But if you look at what will happen as a result of going to the cross, the blessing that God will bring and the fruitfulness that God will bring, the godly character that God will uh, de uh, develop through you, then you'll embrace 
your cross because you recognize there is nothing greater in life than to surrender one's life to God's purpose. But rejecting it forfeits that godly character. Billy Graham said this, when wealth is lost, nothing is lost. When health is lost, something is lost. But when character is lost, all is lost. No one wants to follow a godly, uh, a, a man who doesn't have a godly character or a woman who doesn't have a godly character. Let me put them on the screen one more time. Three attributes of a godly character we're focusing in on. Costly sacrificial giving, humility and service, and a totally surrendered life. Pastor Jason, if you would come back, please. Mary's godly character. It's interesting that what she did filled the room with the aroma of the perfume. When we have that kind of costly sacrifice, it fills the aroma with praise. People recognize that kind of contribution. I think of one of the greatest servants uh, regarding sacrificial giving was Mother Teresa. Right? She gave up everything to go serve people who had leprosy in India. Not, got nothing for it, but spent her entire life in giving. Yet, she is also at the, on the top list of one of the most admired people in the world. And we all admire her because she sacrificed so much for so little personal gain. A life of humility. Now, here's the last connection I want to make and why a godly character is so important for all of us. Charles Stanley, many of you know, and I don't know why. So many people think I look like Charles Stanley. And if you're here today and that's you, please don't tell me. My own wife thinks that. Oh, my God, you remind me of Charles Stanley. Okay. He's a, good, he's a great man, and I admire him. So I'm going to take it that you see that character in me. But he said this. The time you spend alone with God will transform your character. And increase your devotion. Then your integrity and godly behavior in an unbelieving world will make others long to know the Lord. In other words, if I can just bring it down to modern day uh, vernacular. When you and I display a godly character, it causes people to want to know who Jesus is. Because they see Jesus in us. Because these attributes are all attributes that the Lord himself uh, demonstrated in his life. And there's a powerful, powerful effect that we can have with people that sometimes more than our words, it's our lifestyle. When people see us, a godly character in us, 
it makes the gospel attractive. And they want to know more about it. Stand with me.